Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 228. As we look at Daniel chapters 4 to 6 and John 18, a recurring theme throughout these passages is one in which we see justice being done, we see injustice being done. In other words, we see all kinds of examples of what it looks like to be held accountable in the right ways and also in very wrong and uh, unjust ways. And through it all, this theme brings us back to the fact that the one who can take the incredible realities of justice and injustice and make any sense of them is only God himself. And we see that in the life of Jesus, in his trial, in his execution, and what that means for those who trust in him. And so let's begin today with Daniel chapter 4 to 6, and we'll see a number of occasions in which we see the scales of justice. Daniel 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and language groups that live in the land, peace and prosperity, I am delighted to tell you about the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom will last forever, and his authority continues from one generation to the next. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was relaxing in my home, living luxuriously in my palace. I saw a dream that frightened me badly. The things I imagined while lying on my bed, these visions of my mind, were terrifying me. So I issued an order for all the wise men of Babylon to be brought before me so that they could make known to me the interpretation of the dream. When the magicians, astrologers, wise men, and divine diviners entered, I recounted the dream for them, but they were unable to make known its interpretation to me. Later, Daniel entered, whose name is Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom there is a spirit of the holy gods, and I recounted the dream for him as well, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, in whom I know there to be a spirit of the holy gods, and whom no mystery baffles, consider my dream that I saw, and set forth its interpretation. Here are the visions of my mind while I was on my bed. While I was watching, there was a tree in the middle of the land. It was enormously tall. The tree grew large and strong. Its top reached far into the sky. It could be seen from the borders of all the land. Its foliage was attractive and its fruit plentiful. On it there was food enough for all. Under it the wild animals used to seek shade, and in its branches the birds of the sky used to to nest. All creatures used to feed themselves from it. While I was watching in my mind's vision on my bed, a holy sentinel came down from heaven. He called out loudly as follows, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches. Strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave its taproot in the ground with a band of iron and bronze around it surrounded by the grass of the field. Let it become damp with the dew of the sky and let it live with the wild animals in the grass of the land. Let his mind be altered from that of a human being and let an animal's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time go by for him. This announcement is by the decree of the sentinels. This decision is by the pronouncement of the holy ones, so that those who are alive may understand that the Most High is authority over human kingdoms, and he bestows on them whomever he wishes. He establishes over them even the lowliest of human beings. 
This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, for none of the wise men in the kingdom, in my kingdom, are able to make known to me the interpretation. But you can do so, for a spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was also Belteshazzar, was upset for a brief time. His thoughts were alarming him. The king said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream and its interpretation alarm you. But Belteshazzar replied, Sir, if only the dream were for your enemies and its interpretation applied to your adversaries. The tree that you saw, that grew large and strong, whose top reached to the sky and that could be seen in all the land, whose foliage was attractive and its fruit plentiful, and from which was food available for all, under whose branches wild animals used to live and in whose branches birds of the sky used to nest. It is you, O king, for you have become great and strong. Your greatness is such that it reaches to the heaven and your authority to the ends of the earth. As for the king, seeing a holy sentinel coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its taproot in the ground with a band of iron and bronze around it, surrounded by the grass of the field, let it become damp with the dew of the sky and let it live with the wild animals until seven periods of time go by for him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is the decision of the Most High that this happen to my lord the king. You will be driven from human society, and you will live with the wild animals. You will be fed grass like oxen, and you will become damp with the dew of the sky. Seven periods of time will pass by for you before you understand that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms and gives them to whomever he wishes. They said to leave the taproot of the tree, for your kingdom will be restored to you when you come to understand that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away from your sins by doing what is right and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps your prosperity will be prolonged. Now all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. After twelve months, he happened to be walking around in the battlements of the royal palace of Babylon. The king uttered these words, Is this not the great Babylon that I have built for a royal residence by my own mighty strength and for my, my majestic honor? While these words were still on the king's lips, a voice came down from heaven, saying, It is hereby announced to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, that your kingdom has been removed from you. You will be driven from, the, from human society, and you will live with the wild animals. You will be fed grass like oxen, and seven periods of time will pass by you before you, are, you understand that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms and gives them to whomever he wishes. Now in that very moment, this pronouncement about Nebuchadnezzar came true. He was driven from human society. He ate grass like oxen and his body became damp with the dew of the sky until his hair became long like an eagle's feathers and his nails like a bird's claws. But at the end of the time appointed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up toward heaven and my sanity returned to me. I extolled the Most High and praised and glorified the one who lives forever, for his authority is an everlasting authority and his kingdom extends from one generation to the next. All the inhabitants of the earth are regarded as nothing he does as he wishes with the army of heaven and with those who inhabit the earth. No one slaps his hand and says to him, What have you done? At that time my sanity returned to me. I was restored to the honor of my kingdom, and my splendor returned to me. My ministers and my nobles were seeking me out, and I was reinstated over my kingdom. I became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, for all his deeds are right and his ways are just. He's able to bring down those who live in pride. King Belshazzar 
prepared a great banquet for 1,000 of his nobles, and he was drinking wine in front of them all. While under the influence of the wine, Belshazzar issued an order to bring in the gold and silver vessels, the ones that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had confiscated from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, together with their wives and his concubines, could drink from them. So they brought the gold and silver vessels that had been confiscated from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, together with his wives and concubines, drank from them. As they drank wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. At that very moment, the the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the royal palace wall opposite the lampstand. The king was watching the back of the hand that was writing. Then all the color drained from the king's face and he became alarmed. The joints of his hips gave way and his knees began knocking together. The king called out loudly to summon the astrologers, wise men, and diviners. The king proclaimed to the wise men of Babylon that anyone who could read this inscription and disclose its interpretation would be clothed in purple and have a golden collar placed on his neck and be third ruler in the kingdom. So all the king's wise men came in, but they were unable to read the writing or to make known its interpretation to the king. Then King Belshazzar was very terrified and he was visibly shaken. His nobles were completely dumbfounded. Due to the noise caused by the king and his nobles, the queen mother then entered the banquet room. She said, O king, live forever. Don't be alarmed. Don't be shaken. There is a man in in your kingdom who has the spirit within him of the holy gods. In the days of your father, he proved to have insight, discernment, and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, appointed him chief of the magicians, astrologers, wise men, and diviners. Thus there was found in this man Daniel, whom the king renamed Belteshazzar, an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, and skill to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Now summon Daniel, and he will disclose the interpretation. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, who is the one of the captives of Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard about you, how there is a spirit of the gods in you, and how you have insight into sermon and extraordinary wisdom. Now the wise men and astrologers were brought before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they were unable to disclose the interpretation of the message. However, I have heard that you are able to provide interpretations and to solve difficult problems. Now if you are able to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, you will wear purple and have a golden collar around your neck and be third ruler in the kingdom. But Daniel replied to the king, Keep your gifts and and give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the writing for the king and make known its interpretation. As for you, O king, the Most High God bestowed on your father Nebuchadnezzar a kingdom, greatness, honor, and majesty. Due to the greatness that he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and language groups were trembling with fear before him. He killed whom he wished, he spared whom he wished, he exalted whom he wished, and he brought low whom he wished. And when his mind became arrogant and his spirit filled with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and his honor was removed from him. He was driven from human society. His mind was changed to that of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and was fed grass like oxen and his body became damp with the dew of the sky until he came to understand that the Most High God rules over human kingdoms and he appoints over them whomever he wishes. But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself. Although you knew all this, instead you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. You brought before you the vessels from his temple, and you and your nobles, together with your wives and concubines, drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. 
gods that cannot see or hear or comprehend, but you have not glorified the God who has in his control your very breath and all your ways. Therefore the palm of a hand was sent from him, and this writing was inscribed. This is the writing that was inscribed, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. This is the interpretation of the words. As for Mene, God has numbered your kingdom's days and brought it to an end. As for Tekel, you are weighed in the balances and found to be lacking. As for Paris, your kingdom is divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Then on Belshazzar's orders, Daniel was clothed with purple, a golden altar, a collar was brought and placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed third ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. So Darius the Mede took control of the kingdom when he was about 62 years old. It seemed like a good idea to Darius to appoint over the kingdom 120 satraps who would be in charge of the entire kingdom. Over them would be three supervisors, one of whom was Daniel. These satraps were accountable to them, so the king's interests might not incur damage. Now this Daniel was distinguishing himself above the other supervisors and satraps, for he had an extraordinary spirit. In fact, the king intended to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Consequently, the supervisors and satraps were trying to find some pretext against Daniel in connection with administrative matters, but they were unable to find any such damaging evidence because he was trustworthy and guilty of no negligence or corruption. So these men concluded, We won't find any pretext against this man Daniel unless it is in connection with the law of his God. So these supervisors and satraps came by collusion to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. To all the supervisors of the kingdoms, the prefects, satraps, counselors, and governors, it seemed like a good idea for a royal edict to be issued and an interdict to be enforced. For the next thirty days, anyone who prays to any god or human other than you, O king, should be thrown into the den of lions. Now let the king issue a written interdict so that it may be al- cannot be altered according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be changed. So King Darius issued the written interdict. When Daniel realized that a written decree had been issued, he entered his home, where the windows in his upper room opened toward Jerusalem. Three times daily he was kneeling and offering prayers and thanks to his God, just as he had been accustomed to previously. Then those officials who had gone to the king came by collusion and found Daniel praying and asking for help before his God. So they approached the king and said to him, Did you not issue an edict to the effect that for the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human other than you, O king, would be thrown into a den of lions? The king replied, That is correct, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be changed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the edict that you issued. Three times daily he offers his prayer. When the king heard this, he was very upset and began thinking about how he might rescue Daniel. Until late afternoon, he was struggling to find a way to rescue him. Then those men came by collusion to the king and said to him, Recall, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no edict or decree that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king consoled Daniel by saying, Your God, whom you continually serve, will rescue you. Then a stone was brought and placed over the opening into the den. The king sealed it with his signet ring and with those of his nobles so that nothing could be changed with regard to Daniel. Then the king departed to his palace, but he spent the night without eating and no diversions were brought to him. 
he was unable to sleep. In the morning, at the earliest sign of daylight, the king got up and rushed to the lion's den. As he approached the den, he called out to Daniel in a worried voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you continually serve, able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and closed the lions' mouths so that they have not harmed me because I was found to be innocent before him. Nor have I done any harm to you, O king. Then the king was delighted and gave an order to haul Daniel up from the den. So Daniel was hauled up out of the den. He had no injury of any kind because he had trusted in his God. The king gave another order, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den, they, their children, and their wives. They did not even reach the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and language groups who were living in the land, saying, Peace and prosperity. I have issued an edict that throughout all the dominion of my kingdom, people are to revere and fear the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His authority is forever. He rescues and he delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. And we'll leave the story of Daniel there for now and pick it up again in the next episode. But we see in all of those different things how justice is served, how injustice is done, and ultimately how God rescues Daniel and uh, brings true justice to bear. And yet now we turn to John chapter 18 and see Jesus on trial, a very unjust trial, but it was done because Jesus knew that he was stepping in place of those who deserve justice, taking it in their place. John 18. When he had said these things, Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley. There was an orchard there, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, the one who betrayed him, knew the place too, because Jesus had met there many times with his disciples. So Judas obtained a squad of soldiers and some officials of the chief priests and Pharisees. They came to the orchard with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, because he knew everything that was going to happen to him, came and asked them, Who are you looking for? They replied, Jesus the Nazarene. He told them, I am he. Now Judas, the one who had betrayed him, was standing there with them. So when Jesus said to them, I am he, they retreated and fell to the ground. Then Jesus asked them again, Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus replied, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, let these men go. He said this to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I have not lost a single one of those whom you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, pulled it out and struck the high priest's slave, cutting off his right ear. Now the slave's name was Malchus. But Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not, not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? Then the squad of soldiers with their commanding officer and the officers of the Jewish leaders arrested Jesus and tied him up. They brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the chief priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who had advised the Jewish leaders that it was to their advantage that one man die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed them as they brought Jesus to Annas. Now the other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, and he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter was left standing outside by the door. So the other disciple who was accompanied with the high priest came out and spoke to the slave girl who watched the door and brought Peter inside. The girl who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, You're not one of the man's disciples too, are you? He replied, I am not. Now the slaves and the guards were standing around the charcoal fire they had made, warming themselves because it was cold. 
Peter also was standing there with them, warming himself. While this was happening, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus replied, I have spoken publicly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple courts where all the Jewish people assembled together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said. They know what I said. When Jesus had said this, one of the high priest's officers who stood nearby struck him on the face and said, Is that the way you answer the high priest? Jesus replied, If I had said something wrong, confirm what is wrong. But if I spoke correctly, why strike me? Then Annas sent him, still tied up, to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing in the courtyard warming himself. They said to him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? Jesus, uh, Peter denied it. I am not. One of the high priest's slaves, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Did I not see you in the orchard with him? Then Peter denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the Roman governor's residence. Now it was very early in the morning. They did not go into the governor's residence so that they would not be ceremonially defiled, but could eat the Passover meal. So Pilate came outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They replied, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate told them, Take him yourselves and pass judgment on him according to your own laws. The Jewish leaders replied, We cannot legally put anyone to death. This happened to fulfill the word Jesus had spoken when he indicated what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate went back to the governor's residence, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, Are you saying this on your own initiative or have others told you about me? Pilate answered him, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own people and your chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my servants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Then Pilate said, So you are a king. Jesus replied, You say that I am a king. For this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked, What is truth? When he had said this, he went back outside to the Jewish leaders and announced, I find no basis for accusation against him. But it is your custom that I release one prisoner for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? Then they shouted back, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. And we'll leave the story there to pick it up next episode. But we see Jesus experiencing great injustice. But this was part of the suffering and the difficulties that he faced because he was taking the true justice that you and I deserved and going through the suffering and death that he would endure because this was the way so that we could be forgiven. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're-